Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women. Today, Melissa Porterfield honors us with her presence. She is the founder and CEO of Silk Mountain and the Leadership Vibe. She connects women to success through intuitive coaching. Here is how she introduces herself on her, web on her website, theleadershipvibe.com. As an intuitive since early childhood, I was unpleasantly surprised to discover that I didn't use my intuition in all parts of my then brand new business. I also noticed that many of my entrepreneurial clients and friends weren't using theirs either. With 20 years of coaching leaders under my belt, I knew that providing intuitive coaching and helping women both find and use their intuition in their businesses would be a game changer. My vision is to help women go after what they want fearlessly. I have a passion for helping women conquer any internal challenges that hold them back and use their intuition to make the right decisions to increase their success. My goal in working with my clients is to help them gain the clarity and courage to move forward decisively using their intuition as a powerful business tool. So the leadership vibe. That is gorgeous. Welcome, Melissa. Today, we are going to talk about how trauma builds up into a chronic illness. And we're going to mix that with intuition because it's very interesting, both topics, knowing that we are talking on Real Talk Real Women and that our audience are normal people hiding in plain sight, dealing with abusive and toxic relationship with themselves, with other people, or with a drug or a depression or any other things. All right. Welcome. Well, Gemma, thank you so much for having me. I am just delighted to be here. I love your purpose. Thank I love you. what you're doing. And I love that you are providing a safe place for people to openly discuss things like domestic abuse. Because if it's time to take that out of the closet right. and shine some light on it. Exactly. So many people um, are dealing with it. And you know, I noticed something when you trigger where it hurts and you keep your finger on it a few minutes only, the pain dissipates. That's true. Let's do that with domestic abuse. Yeah, that's right. Let's press where it hurts so that it doesn't hurt anymore because then you're able to put words on it. You're able to connect, to understand what's going on, to understand where, where it comes from because it doesn't come from the current situation. It comes from before. Exactly. And then, wow. So, Melissa, very shortly, because we do not have a lot of time, and I know, and I'm sorry, it does not make you justice at all, especially with a lifetime behind you. What are, I would say, three or four big events that shaped your life? Mm. Um, so when I, was, I, when I was born, we lived in Spain for four years. My dad was in the military. And when we got back to the U.S., my parents got divorced. I was five. And um, my father immediately remarried somebody. And 
she made it very, very clear that she was not interested in having me anywhere around. She was very critical. Um, she was verbally and emotionally abusive throughout my whole life. And my dad was passive about the whole thing. So um, I was carrying a lot of trauma from that. And at the ripe old age of 20, I married an alcoholic and gambling addict who was a whole lot like my stepmother in the way that he treated me. Um, and, you know, it's weird because it's not a fun situation to be in, but it kind of feels normal, if you, especially if you've grown up in an abusive environment, whether it was physically abusive or just verbally, no, I shouldn't say just, any kind of abuse is unacceptable. It is. Yeah. And so um, I stayed, gosh, we were married five years and I could take up the rest of the time just telling you stories about the stuff he used to do. Oh, for Definitely. sure. Yeah, that's for sure. All, right? I'm sorry, but I, I totally do understand. We, we yeah. all go through that. Yes. And it's like some people, it's like five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Some people never get out. That's right. That's and right. I'm sorry about that. Because they are a good life beyond. Yes. Yes, there is. Um, and I would love to see a way to simplify that process for women so that they can get out. Mm -hmm. And for men too. Or and men for too. men too. That's true. That's it's true. not only women. I mean, yes, we have conversation between women, but it's not only women who are mm -hmm. abused. Everybody potentially, any gender, any nationality, any economic status, any for real. And I acknowledge that. Yes, you're absolutely, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and the thing about trauma, especially uh, when you're a small child before the age of seven, is that uh, your prefrontal cortex, which does your logical reasoning for you, hasn't even started to develop. So you have no filters. And things that happen to you it, it could be something that somebody said but it, it it's more about whatever was said or done what made you feel which most of the time is unsafe right and it doesn't even have to be uh it doesn't even have to be um, you know with malintent so i was reading about a case study uh, about a woman who um her mother, she was taking a bath, a little kid, mother pulled her out of the bathtub, just like she always did. But for some reason at that moment, it really, really upset that little girl in the bathtub and it traumatized her. And so she had totally forgotten about it until she had gotten into therapy and was working on peeling back the onion. But apparently she felt unsafe when mom pulled her out of the tub. It sunk right into her subconscious mind and traveled along with her, you know, mm -hmm. and then subsequent things happen and it just piles up and up and up unless you know how to release the trauma from your body. And that takes a professional to help you with, I, I believe. So there's some good, there's some very good methodologies out there, modalities out there for trauma.
Mm-hmm. So trauma releasing, definitely. Yes. So at five years old, your parents divorce. At 20 years old, you marry an alcoholic. For five years, you stay with that person. Mm-hmm. And um, there is a lot happening afterward. Do you need to take care of something? No, I just somebody was knocking on my door and it's right next to me. So I apologize. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I don't know exactly what age you are, but you are much, much more beyond 20 years old. Yes. Especially with 20 years of leadership <laughs> under your belt. So it's like, okay, what happened after 25 years old when you divorce or when you leave your yeah. alcoholic husband? Yeah. So he was in the military and he got orders to Germany. And I remember the day so clearly because I desperately wanted to live in Europe. And I desperately did not want to live with him anymore. And so I decided as much as I would love to live in Europe, I would much more love to be free of everything. So he, um, when he moved over to Germany, instead of following him over, I had just graduated from college, had a baby. She was three. And um, I moved to Houston and got a job as a teacher because I had majored in education. And um, he wasn't too pleased about it, but there wasn't really anything he could do either. So mm-hmm. that's what I did. So you um, found a, a very interesting way to leave him without telling him all the crap <laughs> that you were feeling. Just saying, you know what, I'm just staying in Houston. No, I do not come to Germany. You I mean, you, you have to get there, so you have to do that. Very yep. good. I stay in. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was, the, it was the only way I could think of to get out where he couldn't try to stop. Right. You know? And, um, yeah. So you would, have think I, you, you would think I would have learned from that horrible marriage. Not so much. I still date him. Yeah, I still dated people that weren't, didn't treat me very well. Um, I got remarried. Might as well have been a better looking cookie cutter copy of husband one. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. And, oh, no, that's okay. I mean, I mean, it, it there, there's, there is humor. It's, it's dark humor, but there is humor in the situation. Um, so anyway, I finally figured it out took the um, target tattoo off of my forehead and um, stopped dating guys like that. But I still had the trauma. All right. And while I had worked on some of it, I still had a lot of it. And so what happened is that I've spent my whole life chronically stressed. And it finally did me, did me in practically because I was diagnosed with um, a chronic, a rare chronic illness called primary adrenal insufficiency, which means my body doesn't produce cortisol, Mm -hmm. which we call the stress hormone, but it's actually our circadian rhythm. What keeps our little phone battery going? Mm -hmm. 
And yes, because there is a good stress is a bad stress. Exactly. And both are managed by this cortisol hormone. Yes. So if you do not have nothing that holds you up, good or ne- positively or negatively or whatever, uh, you should down. I'm, I am. Right? Over the, I, I am, yeah. I'm gone, basically. Exactly. If I, so. if I don't take my medication. Yeah, for, yeah. Within, for like two days. Mm. Um, and, you know, accepting that chronic illness as an entrepreneur is very difficult. It is. It was very, very difficult. But, you know, it, it also made me interested in things like the tie between trauma and chronic illness. Because mm-hmm. I, I intuitively felt that there, it had to be connected. It had to be. Mm-hmm. So I started really looking into that. So I would add a question there. Okay. When you have that, so is that diagnostic of insufficiency? Primary, primary adrenal insufficiency. Okay. Yeah. Primary adrenaline insufficiency. Yes. Okay. When you have this diagnostic, is that your shift moment when suddenly you're here? Okay. I and I have to do something completely different. I is, is that your wake-up call? We, well, yes, it was definitely a wake-up call and a huge shock. Mm-hmm. I've always been healthy. Mm-hmm. And um, I've never heard of it of, of heard of it before, of course, because it's it's rare. And I felt horrible. I mean, I was just so ill and I had no energy and I had no. I had horrible brain fog and my body hurt and all that kind of stuff. And so I would say I was kind of in a state of shock for a bit after I got out of the hospital, just, just trying to put my head around what had happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it occurred to me that there had to be a correlation between mm-hmm. stress and trauma or yeah, between mm-hmm. chronic illness and trauma. I mean, between stress and trauma and it chronic illness, trauma. because it builds up to a chronic illness, at least in your experience. Yes. In a lot of people's experience. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so uh, you, you are totally allowed to take a sip of water. If you feel good with that. <laughs> totally fine. One of the requirements of having my lovely disease. Exactly. Totally fine. Thank you. Um, so as I started studying the connection, it just became very, very clear to me that this happens a lot and people don't understand that there's a connection. A lot of people don't even know that they have trauma. Um, it just shows up in how they function in the world, mm-hmm. right? So for example, someone who had a lot of trauma around any kind of abuse is, is going to have lower self-esteem or lower self-confidence. Um, they're going to be hypercritical of themselves, mm-hmm. not feel good enough, um, and uh, second-guess themselves. And so that makes things really hard when you're trying to move ahead with something. And so I realized it when I was putting my new coaching program together. Mm -hmm. 
because I developed an assessment that I sent to potential clients and okay. it gets under the hood. So they're answering questions about why they procrastinate, why they're, why they're perfectionistic, why they second guess themselves. And there it is. You look under the hood and, and you see those feelings. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And these are beliefs that are running their lives. And we yes. all have them until the time we are becoming aware or made aware. Yes. And then do the inner work, the shadow work to mm -hmm. release them. Yes. Release trauma is also releasing a belief, a wrong belief, like I'm not good enough or things like that. Right. One of the beliefs I heard recently was, as my mom never loved me, nobody can love me. Right. It's like, woof. Yeah. And that's, that creates a real constant state of survival, stress, and messes up with your cortisol. Yep. Does all those things. It is. It is. Yeah. So... It's not so much how trauma builds up into a chronic illness, but how to release trauma before it builds up into a chronic illness that we should address so that we can give actionable advice to people listening to us. Exactly. And it also is an acknowledgement of the sensations you have brought on by stress, anxiety, um, because for a lot of us, they just, it's just a constant hum in the background, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we have to, it, it all goes back to paying attention to what's going on in our body and what we're feeling. Um, and then, you know, some self-reflection on what's causing me to feel stressed out, what's mm -hmm. causing me to feel anxious. Um, and that's when you need a good coach. <laughs> a good coach, someone who understands therapy. it. Yes. And, you know, and, th and therapy, of course, you know, mm -hmm. I am not a therapist by any means, but um, so I, I just have a process that I use that, that puts women at ease. They feel very comfortable talking mm -hmm. about what's underneath mm -hmm. the things that hold them back. Mm -hmm. And then um, I have a number of exercises that we work on together mm -hmm. to get them past that point. So to build up on what you're saying, and yes, you can have a sip of water. You don't need my authorization. Just <laughs> have whatever you need, whenever you need. It's important you. that you feel as good as possible. So the way I would think about releasing trauma, which actually is the nine last years of my life after leaving domestic violence right is first of all pinpointing discovering becoming aware yes of where what that trauma is about i mean some people it's like you cannot leave them when you are with them in a grocery store no matter the relationship even if you're just a true stranger if you just said right. okay let's go together to the grocery store that person cannot let you go Mm -hmm. because of all the build-up trauma and mm -hmm. the PTSD response. Right. Um, other people, it's the war. It's like as soon as there is 
a, 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 a firework, they are already completely worked up because they heard that 20 times. And it's like, and it is the same material actually than, than real guns and other things. Yeah. Um, so ways to release trauma before it builds up into chronic illness. Mm -hmm. So um, there are some great uh, therapy modalities. Um, one that I love is called EMDR. EMDR? EMDR. Okay. And I've, um, I've used it, my, I've done it myself. And it's interesting because it's a, I don't remember what the letters stand for right now. Should research that. But anyway, you are sitting in front of a, a light bar that has a light that's just tracking back and forth. Oh, okay. And then you have ear, earphones on that have syncopatic tones that this ear, this ear, this ear does not match pattern of the light at all it's a very odd it's a very odd thing the first time you try it but when I tried it uh, or when I when I did it and um, I was asked to tell a, a very traumatic story that had happened to me as a child and so I did and while I was telling the story I was to watch the light and um, listen to the tones and just tell the story over and over she even had me tell it backwards. And, um, but at the end of that session, I still remember the story, but it doesn't carry an emotional charge anymore. So it releases the emotional charge of a story. You do not hear me anymore? I didn't get that. Could you try again? Oh, I know why. There is a, a okay. Google. I found this on the web for what's going on here. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> okay siri decided to join us i'm so sorry that was just random. it's okay <laughs> sorry everybody it's fine it's fine so to talk to you. so i just uh, um uh, looked what is emdr and there is a very short explanation that can explain a lot eye movement desensitization and reprocessing which explain exactly what you experienced yes. Exactly. refers to an interactive psychotherapy technique used to relieve psychological stress. According to the theory behind the approach, traumatic and painful memories can cause post-traumatic stress when you do not process them completely. So yeah. that, that, is the, that is what Google answers to the question, what is EMDR yeah, therapy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for looking that up. I, uh, I found it just incredibly effective. Okay. And so um, I, would, I would definitely recommend that one. Definitely. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, you can also do um, self-reflection exercises. Absolutely. Journaling, mindfulness. Yeah. And mindfulness, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, there's exercises, yoga poses. There's all kinds of things that you yes. can do to help produce trauma in your body. But first, you have to know that you have it. Or you know what? What I would say to our audience is, no matter if you know or do not know if you have it, mm -hmm. just choose a practice and go with it. Because the fact of doing that, you're going to release trauma you are not even aware you have. Mm 
-hmm. and you are not even aware you are carrying because a lot of things when you start to do all the inner work and the shadow work it's like oh my gosh now that we are talking about that i remember when i was five years old and my mother took me out of the bathtub oh that time was totally traumatic but if you would have asked that person at 30 or 40 years old she would have told you i'm totally fine yeah she took care of me every day yeah like like nothing happened but at the same time there are some unknowingly you you, you get some trauma unknowingly but yes. your body remembers and if you do not release it it's 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 catastrophic so even if yes we shall put the words on the trauma to really help release and to understand ourselves yeah very that is very good there is all these modalities that you don't really need to know exactly what it is about exactly exactly how do you accept how do you live to accept the chronic illness you have been diagnosed with now? I'm sorry to ask, but it's no, an important that is, question. That is such a great question, Gemma, because I was um, watching a YouTube video recently about um, the stages of grief for chronic illness. And this therapist has developed them and, and it actually is seven stages instead of five stages. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, I believe, five mm-hmm. stages agree. And um, so she's added another couple on. Mm-hmm. And the very last one on there was acceptance. Well, I'll be the first person to tell you that I have been kicking and screaming and mad about having this illness. And acceptance didn't make sense to me because I'm like, I, I hate feeling like this. How I, I mean... She had a beautiful explanation. Acceptance does not mean that you're okay with it. It means that you understand that you have constraints that you didn't have before and you build the skills and habits and activities and beliefs and feelings and behaviors that fit within that constraint. And I was, it was like, a neon two by four from the universe going hop upside right. the head. I mean, it was just an immediate mindset shift, mindset shift and just put everything in a different perspective. While you were talking about those seven stages of grief, I discovered that there is a book that is exactly with that title. Mm-hmm. And the seven stages they talk about is first shock and denial which is which is absolutely standard yeah nobody i mean first of all it's like yeah this person is dead no absolutely not this is not true you're like no 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 it did not happen this can't Uh -uh. be true this can't be yeah Yeah. exactly then there is pain and guilt then there is anger and bargaining like that's not okay at all then there is depression reflection and loneliness. Yep. Um, and the the woman, the one that I saw uh, or whose work I read um, was talking about um, a feeling of isolation, not knowing who you are anymore, mm-hmm. and um, confusion. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I definitely 
I went through all that stuff. Of course. Yeah, I did. And um, it was, I loved the framework because it really made sense. And um, now that I get it, I want to help other people get it as, as well. So I'm actually creating a, a specific program for um, women with uh, a history of domestic abuse or trauma. Um, I'm going to do a special coaching program Very good. for those Thank folks. Yeah, because there's not really a lot out there to help us. True. And since I was diagnosed, I have either met or heard from so many people that are like, oh yeah, I have chronic illness too. I, I was so surprised at how many of my friends mm-hmm. had chronic illnesses. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, super fun. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the five, the fifth stage is the upward turn then the reconstruction and walking through and finishes by acceptance and hope. Yes. So that would help anybody listening to, to it. I know we have to close quickly. Um, that helps everybody listening to it understand that yes, even if you feel all the sadness, the depression, the loneliness, the confusion, everything, the end of the grief cycle go back goes back to hope to solution to accepting it in a way that say you know what it is as it is yes that part i cannot do anything about that but what i can do about is how i live my life and the meaning i give to my life and how i help others exactly That, that i have total power on and when you shift it around enough to say, okay, I have enough power to move forward and to help others and to, and to build up someone else on top of myself from a place of acceptance mm-hmm. of whatever trauma or whatever it is, mm-hmm. grief, that is so empowering. It is. That it is really so is. empowering. Yeah. And, so, and the time it takes is really proper to everyone and different for everyone. Absolutely. And it can happen out of, you know, it's laid out in seven stages, but it, you could have three first and then or anger first and then, you know, disbelief second. I mean, there's not a prescribed order that you go mm-hmm. through the stages. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just so glad that, the woman that um, put this together did mm. because it's a it, it's powerful it to be is. able to look at it and see where you are mm-hmm. and to understand what acceptance really means. Mm-hmm. And you know, someone told me during one of my recordings, when you are walking in hell, meaning in the hell of a life. Mm-hmm. whatever it is about actually keep walking because even hell has borders that's right how good is that i mean it's amazing it's ladders too i found right <laughs> that's amazing yeah thank you for this enlightening conversation absolutely again it's such a pleasure
it is such a pleasure to have you. And uh, I definitely look forward to deepening our relationship and to get Absolutely. to know each other more because we have so much to discover and talk about. We do. Right? We do. Yes, ma'am. We sure do. <laughs> Hello. All right. So thank you very much for being on air today. And yeah. I really wish you also well-being, happiness, hope, and God just joy possible. Thank you. And thank you again for having me. It's always good to talk to you. And uh, this was fun. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. That's really nice. an important topic. Right. So. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'll see you soon. Yes, yes. Okay.